Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, fresh from getting his new Dutch movie DVD starring Ed O'Neill and Ethan Embry. You cannot find this digitally anywhere, folks. It's been off the internet for three years now. The snot-nosed punk was Ethan Embry? Yes! It was. It absolutely was. Joe Beth Williams, Christopher McDonald. It's a classic. Alan Silvestri does the music. John Hughes wrote it and directed it. <laughs> yeah, it's just huge the, names. It's it's one of those examples of, you know, a sitcom star trying to, you know, grab grab a movie. I mean, you know how many of these uh, bomb movies that like <laughs> the friends actors did most of them oh sure yeah immediately you know yeah cash grab movies where they're capitalizing on their sitcom success and it doesn't quite translate to the box office right where where they're hoping that they're going to be able to become movie stars because they're huge tv stars now david schwimmer comes to mind yeah david schwimmer <laughs> is He's not leading man material in a movie, I don't think. He's plays great supporting roles. Uh, he was excellent in Band of Brothers. I Boston. forgot he was in Band of Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was really good in it. He was such a dick. <laughs> but uh, Matt LeBlanc. Um, Box office actually. He was, except for 17 again, where he technically wasn't the lead. His character was, but he was not. Zach Efron was the lead. That's Matt Perry. Oh. Matthew Perry. Well, they're both Matts. But yeah, you're right. I, I will say that Matthew Perry starred in a couple of, like, the whole nine yards with, with Bruce Willis. Yeah, that was great. That was a great. That was great. That didn't that take place in Canada? Toronto. Oh yeah, Canada. Yeah, Yeah. it took place in Canada of all places. Yeah. Um. That and then uh, fools rush in. Oh, that was strangely satisfying. (laughs) That's the one where he actually (laughs) uh, was hooking up with Salma Hayek. Right, but she wasn't pregnant with his this? baby. Yes, she was. Uh, well, Dutch, the movie Dutch with Ed O'Neill. Got oh, a sitcom yes. stars that uh, reached out to the movies. Literally, this is one of the only like three tech, uh, Thanksgiving movies that's out there, like in the zeitgeist, and it's been out of the internet for the last twenty, uh, the three years, two, three years maybe. I'm DT can't Cab find it anywhere. Man. And uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh well, that's a given. That's the that's the Thanksgiving movie, but followed by Dutch. You do a double feature. <laughs> so I'm going to digitize quality. it. True. No, absolutely. But I'm going to digitize Dutch, and I'm going to put it with my electronic uh, uh, library and everything. I had to buy the DVD. I mean, what could I do? I mean. Look, look, let me let me just say this. I am not in any way running down Ed O'Neill's ability as a comedic actor. 
Sure. Did you know that Ed O'Neill and Ethan Embry teamed up to do a Dragnet reboot? Yes, in 2000. Well, we were in 2001. Yeah. I remember it was a serious Dragnet. Well, Dragnet was serious in its heyday, by the way. Yeah. The opposite is when you had the Tom Hanks, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, I was thinking of the Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, (laughs) that was awful. Uh, But no, no. Actually, Dragnet in its heyday. Did you? It was oh God, with the with the pagan Satan worshippers and everything, <laughs> and Harry Morgan back as Captain Gannon. Oh my God, Christopher! Plummer. I saw that movie. I saw that movie exactly once, and that was when my family had had HBO for a very limited amount of time, and I it came on. It was like nineteen ninety. Four ninety five when I was aware of Dragnet because it was on Nick at Night all the time. Yeah, I I remember watching reruns of Dragnet. Yeah, it was the only late night stuff that you could watch because <laughs> we had fifteen channels, maybe. Yeah, and, and nobody's saying that it's it's um that's a high class movie, but it is a guilty pleasure. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd playing the straight man for the entire. The, uh, literally too straight. Too straight. Well, that was like the, the straight man is the person that deals with like reason and logic. He's a robot. Well, he was Sheldon. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to put, I don't want to put, I don't want to put mental conditions into it or anything because that, that, that would feel insensitive but was, he was literally a robot i mean he was a robot <laughs> just no humor and then tom hanks is the fun lucy fun loving lucy guy but that's which i guess hanks at the time that's who he was that's yeah i mean bachelor party big yeah you're right herbs where he was the married burbs. to carrie fisher oh my gosh Boys and buddies. right I think Carrie Fisher rewrote half of that movie to make it it? half presentable. Wasn't it Splash? Wasn't that the movie with uh, Daryl Hannah? Yes. She's the mermaid. A lot of sex in that movie. Holy. A lot of sex sex in a lot of those movies. Yes. But I mean, it's we watched it on Disney Plus last year. I'm like, whoa, what is this? (laughs) The 80s were the Wild West. It was different. The 80s were very different. <laughs> the original Ghostbusters, I think, was rated PG. Yes, it was. And it's shit that would turn you white. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Good stuff. Recently, we decided oh. to show our, our daughter's space balls. Which, by the way, <laughs> there's must, a lot of stuff in there. That... Must be a topic of. Of conversation. It must be a podcast at some point. All right. I need to watch it all the way through. I've never literally started it from credit to credit. You need to. I've and seen it from. We made, uh, I've seen it. We made the mistake of watching it on demand. So we could all watch it down here on the big TV. Because our oh. DVD player is upstairs. 
Yeah, they yeah. cut out some of the best parts, man. Really? Oh, yeah. On demand? It was something like that. Yeah, it was. They're trying to find it for free. Somewhere, you know. Oh, so you got the? Did you have to like deal with commercials? Maybe. Because you would have gotten the broadcast version. Yeah, I think I did. That sucked. Cut for time. Yeah. Not necessarily content. Interesting. Interesting. Well, you br- you bring up guilty pleasures, DT. I do. What are we going to talk about now? Ah, well, I think you should introduce this, my friend, because <laughs> you received input from your spouse on this one. I talked to her tonight about it, and she's like, what? I'm like, no, literally, you you talked about wanting to, to discuss this topic. She's like, I don't remember that. I'm like, you... You literally, you literally said you you wanted to have spousal input on this, and I need your input now. And she goes, well, "I must have misunderstood what you said." Even though she suggested a movie. <laughs> so anyway, the the general theme is guilty pleasures, but I want to bring up a thing that was made famous by Adam Carolla, calling the man show. coming up with the term. Yeah, the man show and everything. He came up with the term tool tune, or maybe his sidekick, Paul Bryan, did. The tool tune, it's a song. When you're driving down the road and you're at a red light, you have your windows down, and that song comes on and you want to blast it. You turn that up, but because you are surrounded by people around you, you raise your windows because you don't want them to necessarily know you're hearing it, but you want the full experience. Now, my tool tune, I want to dance with somebody by Whitney Houston. Turn that shit up. That was a pretty popular Turn that song. shit up. Turn it up. And Umbop by Hanson. Nope. I won't support nope. you on that one. I, well, but you don't have to support me, but I will, go to, I will go to Hades. <laughs> All right. Let's not be this lame. You can at least say hell. This is true. But Hades has a certain flair to it. Only if you're James Woods. True. So the, so I was thinking, well, what if there's a movie equivalent to this? Hey, like well, a movie that to, is... Did I, do I get to sh- throw out a tool tune? Yeah, so throw out a tool tune, man. Go for it. I mean, you weren't prepared. I, didn't, I, I threw this upon you, so I mean, you, you, weren't, you weren't given a head notice, but... Yeah, you know what? It's it's such a little teeny bopper almost song. <laughs> Call me maybe. Can't wait, Carly Rae Jepsen. Yes, no, it's, yes, no. I I suppose I'm, I'm right there with you. I am right there. It is good. It's good. It's just it's just too damn catchy. <laughs> it is. It, it's it's in great. your ear. It's it, really great. You do kind of want to turn it up, you know? You do. You do. And, you know, well, you're sitting there and the song comes on and she goes, hey, I just met you. And you're like, what? And she goes, this is crazy. And you're like, okay. And she goes, here's my number. And you're like, well, we just met. And she goes, so call me maybe. I, I mean, it's just so. <laughs> call me maybe. Here we go. 
And play. Nope, that's an ad. Damn it. I hate modern YouTube. <laughs> and there we go. We're going to get to the hook real quick. <laughs> A little Canadian pop star. Yeah. <laughs> that was a delightful song. She had a hit about a year or two later with a song called I Really, Really, Really Like You. But yes. the music video was her and Tom Hanks. It was Tom Hanks, like, just strolling through the streets being Tom I'm Hanks. I'm sorry. You have, a weird, you have a weird way of saying Colin Hanks. What? No. <laughs> It was fucking Tom Hanks. I'm, I could have. You said Tom Hanks. Yep. <laughs> That's weird. It was weird. I That's was not in, right. <laughs> I was in the gym overseas, and we were getting some. You know, oh, they love the American music videos in in the Middle East, and really, it's like yes, it was one of the stations with I'm music. And I'm like, that kind of looks like Tom Hanks. So I kind of moved from one weight machine to the other. I'm like, that is Tom Hanks. Is it a music video? <laughs> like, the biggest actor in Hollywood is in a music video? Yep. But it's not like Elton John's doing a, a crossover hit with Bon Jovi and, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Snoop, you know it's like okay, well played, Miss Jepson. Yes, well played, played indeed. Okay, I've got one more for you before we go on to the movie subject. Unless you want to add one more, because this one you can't refute. It's it, it it's a work of art. Kung fu fighting. Nope. Danger zone. No. Same era, though. Oh, yeah. Same artist, too. Kenny Loggins? It is. Um, Wait, here we go. Here's the hook. That's a tool tune you roll up the windows to. I don't know. I'm all right. What doesn't bend bad either? From I'm all Caddyshack. right. Oh. No, you roll the windows down for that. That's true. You <laughs> do roll the windows down for that one. I'm all right. That's the only dance move that I could actually repeat. You mean like, like... look the gopher in and out of the hole? <laughs> So that was my thing. What is the movie equivalent to these songs that are such a guilty pleasure, but we don't want people to know it? Because we know we have an implicit love for them. We know they're objectively not artistically great, sometimes artistically even bad and morally even bankrupt, but <laughs> a, such a delight to watch. So, well, I mean, we have. Um... I do like hearing uh, about, you know, there's guilty pleasures, right? 
one these aren't i mean the difference between that and some of these songs is like call me maybe was a huge hit for carly ray jepson it's just there's a little bit of difference if it was a extremely popular song whereas what we're talking about are things that are like kind of those train wreck movies that you just kind of like <laughs> a guilty pleasure it's Perhaps. not quite the same because the outcome is different because it's a movie it's a movie venue i get it well not only that but you're talking difference in quality right you're talking one was probably i think Kyle and me maybe was a number one song now is it deep and meaningful no but it's fun it was popular i mean it was it put this girl on the map this young woman excuse me um whereas some of these movies i think we're going to name off were basically hot garbage <laughs> yeah but do you want to go first i do all right. Uh, this is literally my best, and, and, and I'm throwing it out there first because, mm. unfortunately, the main star of this movie just can't seem to find that magic formula that gives him a good movie. Jai Courtney? No, close, though. <laughs> All right. When it's he's the... in a leading role, it's not really good. When he's in a supporting role, <laughs> not bad. Okay. Now, this is a movie you've literally, you've heard of it. It's been advertised. It's out there. When I first heard it and I saw the trailer, I wanted to throw my phone across the, the, the room in disgust with what the movie industry was going to th throw at us. I just, I found it disgusting they were going to do this. It, I, I, it was distasteful and, and awful because they put in an element that was never meant to be there. This was meant to be a massive World War II epic. It the ended glorious up... Bastards? No. A naval World War II epic. But it didn't end up that way. The Incredible Mr. Limpet. No. The movie Battleship. Oh! You... <laughs> Damn it, you took one of mine. I fucking love this movie! I, I know. Oh my god! A train wreck. I hated. I hated the idea of it. I hated the idea that they were bringing aliens fighting World War Two aircraft in the modern age. By the way, in the modern age. But God help you. Just to just to recap a little bit, Taylor Kitsch is, is the right. main. He, he's he's. <laughs> he doesn't have a whole lot of luck as a lead actor. He does not. He should. He he was great in it uh, for what it was, by the way. Um, but I caught this movie on HBO on a weekend that I was sick. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just give it a chance because it had some funny moments as they were realizing that this giant ship was coming into Earth. And this SETI guy was calling nasa nasa was calling, and he goes well we're gonna patch you through to the pentagon and they patched him through the pentagon and then they patched him through to the, the the defense department then they patched him through to the white house he's like uh mr president we're listening oh boy okay well it's slowing down and it's big <laughs> something like that it was like this scientist who was panicking about this giant alien ship coming towards the earth Anyway, 
all of it takes place around Hawaii. There's there's war games that are going on with rim the pack fleet. Huh? Rim pack exercises. The rim pack. Yeah. They're real exercises. Right. Right. And and what happens is so Liam Neeson's the admiral who who's running the games. Yep. And <laughs> Taylor Kitsch, the main guy, got busted for sleeping with his his daughter. Well, I mean, he was. It's not where he got busted. He got busted by trying to break in to get a burrito. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's his, bro- his his brother's a, a navy officer, and kind of like, all right, you're you're I'm done with you <laughs> fucking up. You're joining the navy with me, and somehow, yeah, Scarsgard, Scarsgard, right? Um, no, As the guy that was in True Blood. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's so many we'll figure it out. The, guy, the, the, the blonde guy from True Blood. Yeah, yeah. So it's such a ridiculous. He's movie. the brother that are they? Are they? Do they? Okay. Anyway, the aliens come and there's this giant ship that comes. Alexander the- Skarsgård. Alexander Skarsgård. Thank you. I know it was a Skarsgård. Um, giant You might actually have better recall for this movie than I do because I saw it ten years ago. I bought it. On DVD, and I've you watched did it. You body, you son of a bitch! <laughs> I went to see it. I flew out um, prior to uh, a move. I flew out to uh, Maryland. And we were getting ready to move there to go and finalize. I spent a long weekend out there doing um, house hunting and finalizing yeah. the, the signing of the paperwork. So I fly out there and I'm up there for a couple of days and I'm like, uh, the hotel was right next to a movie theater. So it's like, meh, wandered over there <laughs> one night and I'm like, it's probably crap. Please tell me you showed up in uniform. I know you didn't. I know you didn't, but. <laughs> I went in there and um, I watched it. It was a glorious mess. Oh my god, it was so great. <laughs> Let's just take away the entire idea that aliens would land in the ocean and have their spaceship hop up and down through the water and also put up a shield around part of o- Oahu and blocking yeah. off blocking off the majority of the Pacific fleet, whatever whatever contingent that was, like the seventh fleet or whatever. The Pacific fleet, yeah. It wasn't the full Pacific fleet though. It was like the Pacific fleet headquarters is Pearl. Okay. Well thank you for clarifying that. I appreciate that. They blocked off all the modern ships that could protect Oahu from this alien ship. <laughs> well, I think it was the SETI stuff that drew it in the first place, right? Yeah. They zoomed in on it, and then any ship that was caught inside the under the dome uh, was basically wiped out. It, it had like the predator kind of thing where it was like it would, you know, look at something and then like, you know, assess threat. And right. Like, oh, this has weapons, so we blow it up, right? And so. Right. So, but it wasn't uh, Scarsgard, the older brother. He was in charge of the ship that is that. Uh, <clears throat> there were three ships. There was 
the two brothers were on different destroyers and and there was the japanese destroyer and they all got jacked up pretty good really badly like right (laughs) the older brother dies by the way they named the guy stone hopper oh god seriously even worse that's how you know (laughs) that's how you know you know stone hopper oh my god was that his call sign please tell me it was his call sign he wouldn't have a call sign as i know i'm just trying to reach for something because it's so awful (laughs) so so let's just go ahead and tell you who the cast is right not a ton of you know you got liam neeson and then that was about it that was about it as far as uh, your um, big name actors, you know Alexander Skarsgård was, I think, recognizable because of True Blood and uh, Taylor Kitsch, you know, Friday Night Lights and some other stuff, uh, Wolverine uh, Origins. But then they have Rihanna, the 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 phenomenal singer but like this was an early acting role you have brooklyn decker a swimsuit model not the strongest of actresses but okay i mean you you just have a few i mean that that's that's really it for established actors is you know like i want to argue about brooklyn decker she was a strong motivational physical therapist let me finish i mean they did have peter mcnichol as the secretary of defense and he's always he's always fun and stuff of course but the double amputee who brooklyn decker is the physical therapist for is actually retired colonel gregory gadsden united states army who lost both of his legs in Iraq. Lieutenant Colonel? Holy shit. He was a Lieutenant Colonel at that time in the movie, but he retired as uh, a full bird colonel. Full full bird colonel, yeah. I'm seeing mm-hmm. that here. Damn. He 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 was uh retired as a as a base commander. Okay, because this is one of the things that I loved about the B storyline. He was all about protecting her and fighting this alien as they were up on their hike. These aliens that were putting up this this beacon. Yep. Like and, and this this guy's quite a motivational dude, but he's also not a great actor. <laughs> he was good enough for me, damn it. <laughs> well, I already knew who he was. Right. Because so it he, kind of took you out of it. <laughs> no. What was he doing? He was playing a bi- he was playing a bilateral army amputee. It's not like he was like a marine, you know. He was in army PTs at the time. Sure, <laughs> I mean, I'll give him that. Hey, he, he he was an old artilleryman. If he wanted to go, you know, duke it out with the bad guy, sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll at least give him this. He's actually he was actually a soldier. Yeah. Hey, Which you convinced is- me. I was happy with that. Well, when you think about it, it's pretty cool. You know, they had an actual soldier 
playing a substantial part in this. It's not like it was a cameo. No, they were trying to, they, they were integral in stopping them from uh, communicating to the, the, the outside, outside the dome. Right. Uh, they, it, they were very, you know, key in that plot. You know, it's her, him, and then that nerdy scientist who keeps running off on them. Right. <laughs> I forgot about it. it the, the, that wasn't the SETI guy, though, was it? Yes, Carl's. It was him. Okay. Yes. That, yeah. That's the, that's the character's name. Cal Zapata. <laughs> but, you know, it, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? They, oh, I, especially how they figure out how to so stop the little ships. They, they, they're, they're figuring they out by water them. displacement uh, by these navigational buoys. And they pull it up on a board, and they basically play Battleship. <laughs> they do. They, they figured out all these these buoys, and oh my god! And they had the grid up and everything. Yep. I got a story. Yeah. And we can continue to talk about the awesomeness because there's so much awesomeness to talk about in this in right. the third act. Right. You know, but you know, eventually all three ships are destroyed. Right. Or, right. or the Japanese ships destroyed, so they pick up the survivors. The his brother's ship goes down with pretty much all hands, and Wasn't then for the Japanese ship, uh, didn't he survive? The captain, yeah, and so with he the ends ship, up uh, the the yeah, it was the captain okay. of the ship. So he ended up acting like a, a first officer with Taylor Kitsch. Mm-hmm. Yep, basically. And they have to put because they also had a rivalry too from the whatever soccer game, and then they get into soccer a, game. a I brawl. Start. Yeah, they I get into a brawl. <laughs> you know, ridiculous. Dude, the art of war comes into play, and Taylor yeah. Kitsch is like, "Well, isn't that what this is supposed to mean?" And the guy and the Japanese officer is like, "No, no, you didn't. That's none of that is what that means." he was good he was good uh i mean and then then they have to go toe to toe with one of these you know armored aliens that gets on board the ship Mm -hmm. and they finally rihanna blows him up with the fucking main gun yes yes but eventually, God, that was great. Their their ship is basically out of effective weapons to stop, and they've got like a they've been able to take out some of the smaller ships to kind of like hop and fire, but they've got a bigger mm-hmm. ship that they're worried about. So they they managed to make it yes. back to Pearl, and the only ship that can <laughs> fight is the USS Missouri, the last U.S. battleship. This was where the Japanese signed the surrender on in Tokyo Harbor to end World War II, and it was activated and fought in Desert Storm doing support to ground invasion. It was one of it was yep. like I believe it was also the ship that was taken over and under siege. Oh God, I didn't I didn't even think about that. But, anyway, uh, they go on board and the there's Captain all Nagata, these old. Yeah. Captain Nagata served as like first officer on the Missouri. I didn't even think about the ramifications of that. Yeah, there's some ramifications. 
but then they go and they they break free. It this is it's almost like Battlestar Galactica, where they were getting ready to turn it into a museum ship when the invasion yes. hits. So they and they're they standing there. They're standing there, like, well, we don't have any more ships. And Taylor Kitsch is looking, and as he, as the camera pans to the Missouri, you see all the old veterans who, by the way, were far too young to be in World War II at this point. No one said they were World <laughs> War II veterans. I know, but it was implied because <laughs> they knew how to deal. They knew how to handle. I know it was. Did was you not hear but... me mention that they used it during Desert Storm? I know. Yes, I did. I get it. But they made them look really old, but not the the age of World War II. Anyway, that being said. No, they could have been on board it when it was in Korea or Vietnam. Remember, this movie's right. 10 years old. Right. <clears throat> so he looks at in, and then he, he approaches them and he goes, I'm sorry. You've served your country. You've served your time. But I need to ask one more favor from you. And by the way, I, I got a little choked up from that. Like, and, and I'm still getting, I'm actually getting choked up now thinking about it. Because they didn't hesitate. They didn't freaking hesitate. Like, <laughs> I'm not, this is not hyperbole. Like, that That was a big moment for me, seeing that. Well, it, it was a very Michael bay moment where they had, Oh, like, absolutely. <laughs> the ship silhouetted by the sun and the flags and the old guys. Oh, the flags <laughs> waving with the breeze that didn't seem to exist on the ship, but only with the flags. And <laughs> well, you see, and, and, and what's funny is this is this movie was directed by Peter Berg, right? Peter Berg, right. who also did Friday Night Lights, whereas and you get Jesse Plemons and Taylor Kitsch, who was in Friday Night Lights, the TV show. So I think there's some pull there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah, that would do it. That would do it. You know. But uh, and then and so. The, the 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 retired veterans come out and they're they're just as plucky and full of piss and vinegar as ever <laughs> yeah. just getting down to business and, and and loading loading the loading the guns and oh and then and then the showdown between the USS Missouri and the whatever right. the hell that alien ship you can was. call it the Missouri okay you're you're not from <laughs> So, don't call it that. I'll be cold and dead in the ground before I recognize Missouri. Thank uh, you, Abe Simpson. <laughs> okay, so the Missouri, out of full respect to, to the legacy of that ship, the Missouri faces off with this this alien ship. Like, you know, they had like some, you know, some brush brush fires and everything with with this alien ship, but then they face them head on. And they then put a wolf on it. They, 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 the, the, the ship go, uh, turns around 90 degrees broadside and just fires all of its guns at this alien ship. And oh my God, the most satisfying scene in cinematic history to me. And remember, they get to a point where I think it's, I think they managed to get communications with his girlfriend and, and the colonel up on the hill. Was, and they have one round left that they oh, can yeah. fire. It's either like defend themselves or wipe out the the communication ability. Wipe out the, the communications array. Yeah, that's yeah. right. 
And I think, yeah, and then actually, no, that takes down the shield. That's what it was. So they hit the spot. They they decide to sacrifice themselves in the ship to take out the, oh, the last yeah. uh, but but all the while these old guys are running up and down the ship going one guy finally says <laughs> they're not sinking this battleship <laughs> I know <laughs> which I freaking love I didn't find that funny at the time I found it heartwarming like yes I found it rewarding like it was it was like oh I'm listening to you you've seen it <laughs> yep. like oh god and lo and behold, they're able to defeat the ship and the aliens and, and ward off yet one more one more invasion until the next time. Well, yeah, I mean, they they blow up the thing, the shield goes down, and just when it looks like they're about to get smoked, then a then an entire air group flies in and just starts <laughs> wrecking ass because here comes a bunch of F twenty twos. Yeah, and here comes the uh the Allied Navy steaming in from outside the shield. Oh my God! And then, and, and then the 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 medals, uh, the medals of bravery given out, and everything at the end. It just was such a superior film for such a schlocky film. It really was. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, the graphics were good. The 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 the, the uh, yeah, the effects were fantastic. Uh, the color grading I didn't like. It was too orange and cyan, which was a between 2006 and 2017. Most films were orange and cyan for action period pieces. Marvel was the only one that deviated from that most of the time. But yeah, like it was a little too orange and cyan for me. But. Well, that was my only. Say, that was my only critique of the movie. We beat an alien know. invasion <laughs> with a seventy-year-old warship. It was literally they went broadside and go boom, boom, boom. Oh. yeah. <laughs> I'm standing up. I'm I'm sick. By the way, I am sick as a dog, and I stand up and I go yes, yes. And my kid, who's like two years old, is like. What are you doing? <laughs> I made the mistake of choosing this when I bought it on DVD for date night one night. And she looked at me yes! about halfway through and said, well, what did this look like? Why did I marry you? <laughs> I literally thought about movies that were terrible for date for dates, too, by the way. Which I've got a movie for that, which is the antithesis of this one. But um, I saw this movie and I was just grinning from ear to ear. The only movie, the only other movie that did it for me better was Guardians of the Galaxy. And that was a genuine one. That was well done. (laughs) Guardians, Guardians was a different type of movie. But Battleship, I went in to work a couple days later, just like toasting the town with how great it was as a bad movie like just fantastic and a friend of mine said he saw it and he goes you know what i will agree with you about everything you're saying except one thing the soccer tournament the soccer game he was a big soccer player 
He goes, the soccer game was complete bullshit, and it took me completely out of the whole movie. <laughs> ruined the whole movie for me. And I'm like, it ruined. So the soccer game ruined the idea of aliens coming down to Honolulu and being defeated by a battleship from World War II. And he goes, yeah, I stand by it. <laughs> Just like that. It, it is such a schlocky movie. It's just absurd. It's absurd. But it's so great. It, it's, is. it executes it so well. So well. I mean, almost the perfect movie. Well, at times it doesn't take concept. itself too seriously either. No. No. I mean, it made, it made stuff for self-referential jokes about, like, the art of war and everything. That was part of it. Well, or or the steady guy finding the... I know. Oh, yeah. Texas got so drunk, he tried to crawl through the ceiling of a closed convenience store to get a burrito for a woman he was trying to impress. <laughs> this is true and, too. <laughs> and the, the, the video, they, when they showed the video camera footage of him falling through. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. Okay, it's ridiculous. Can't can't stress it enough. It's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. It, it was Absolutely. definitely a, a Golden Raspberry Award. Uh, I think nominee. What was it? Was nominated for six awards at the 33rd Golden Raspberries. Worst Picture and winning one. Worst Supporting Actress for Rihanna. Ouch. You know what? I was fine with her acting. I mean, yeah, well, she. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I, I don't. I don't understand what they were saying. I. It, Yes, it was 10 years ago, and I'll probably I'm probably going to buy this movie and watch it with relish and look at it with different eyes. But I almost don't want to because I don't want to remove the memory of my glee, you know. (laughs) But. I don't know, I was fine with Rihanna. Uh, she, She 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 served her purpose. I mean, she actually told stories about the aliens coming down. From her Jamaican heritage. Well, I mean, I, I thought I thought it was just fun. You know, it, it's hard to argue with it. It was ridiculous, but it was fun. I mean, what can I say, man? It, it, it just ticked all the ridiculous boxes. It made it, it made America. It made America look awesome against aliens. <laughs> And I just I flip and loved that. I, I mean, I'm a sucker for that. And, and, and let, me, let me say this: since apparently now we're <laughs> <laughs> since uh, I didn't realize that we were going to have the same uh, one of the same movies. Keeping with Taylor Kitsch. Oh John, God! What was it John Carter? John Carter, a great movie. I I only I only say I disagree with it being a tool tune guilty pleasure. It was a well done movie. Just well, bombed. Everybody thought it bombed. And I watched it, you know, recently. I think in the last year, because I'd never seen it. And I yeah. was like, you know what? Yeah, there's some there's some clunkiness here. There is. There is, but they didn't market it right. I think it was a victim of of the marketing machine 
they didn't know how to market it because they literally they said before Star Trek, before Star Wars, there was John Carter. And I'm like, well, why is he why is he a gladiator with all these weird looking beings like they never even said he was on Mars, by the way, because every single movie that Disney put out that had Mars in the title or was about Mars failed. So they didn't want to say it was John Carter of Mars. Yeah, wasn't that the name of the original story? It was, yeah, from 1901 or something, or 1911. Yeah. So, I mean, think about that, by the way. A 1911 movie about a Civil War soldier who gets transported to Mars. Yes, and as of, you know, it's... You know, it's it's absurd. It is, but I mean, that's also a big stretch for. Think about it. That that's a growth of uh, you know, for storytelling at the, at the turn of the century. I I feel. Well, this kind of falls into the same timeline as, like, uh, the Jules Verne things. Well, you know? I mean, yeah, he came out twenty five years, uh, fifteen years prior, and everything. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, and they did do the rocket to the moon, which was the around 19. Oh, no, that was like 1915 or something. Anyway, I mean. My point being. The idea of John Carter of Mars being as well thought out of a story as as it was. Edgar, Edgar Rice Burroughs. 1912. Okay, 1912. Um, I don't know. I, I, I loved that movie. I thought this it was actually, great. This actually had a, a uh, stronger cast, I think, as far as accomplished actors uh, than Battleship. You've had got freaking Brian Cranston in it for a cameo. <laughs> yes. It did. He was one of the Union soldiers, wasn't he? I think. Uh, he was. By the way, uh, uh, a Southern soldier as the as the the protagonist. Uh, um, I I don't think that that was an issue back in 2012. It definitely wasn't an issue in 1912. No, it, it definitely wasn't. Depending on where that author lived, by the way. <laughs> 2012 was a really awful year for Taylor Kitsch. That was the same year that John Carter came out and Battleship. <laughs> hey, they they both uh, they both were entertaining though. Uh yeah, yeah. I I watched it. God, I was able to. I was able to. Um, oh. Lynn Collins, who was in uh, John Carter, was also in Rim of the World on Netflix. That well, was Major Collins. Interesting. You, you got to remember that um, I believe Willem this Dafoe. was this was planned as a trilogy series. or something. Yeah. Yeah, they were trying to. <laughs> what was it? Public domain. Disney was taking a public domain story and trying to make it a, a, a 
marketable franchise and they just didn't market it right. Like anyone who's walked out of that movie. All right, I'm checking RottenTomatoes.com because anyone who walked out of that movie can't have thought that was a bad movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It holds a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, then obviously the audience doesn't understand what they're dealing with. No, that's the critics. Hold on. Cinema score gave it a B plus. 60%. 60% audience score. So it's technically fresh. Cinema score B plus. That's actually a better... A cinema score is a more accurate run of the 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 deal uh i trust cinema score more than i do rotten tomatoes so b plus i'll take that that's a good p plus b plus movie i agree so you know it, it, it is definitely one of those movies that you know you could see it just being on TV somewhere and you're like, eh. But it's not. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, when they rerun all the, those random movies on, you're like, what's this? Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Let's see. John Carter. Is it on? There it is. It's on Disney Plus right now. Because you can't find it anywhere else, kids. I did watch it on Disney Plus. That's how I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good, like, you know, house, two two houses battling for the power of Mars, and they had different species on Mars, the white apes, which we thought Taylor Kitsch was called, but he's not. They were really literally white apes. And then there were the, um, gosh, what were the lizard people? Yeah, you don't need to. It doesn't matter. It's fine. So. Anyway, I thought that that was neat. I thought him being able to like be super strengthy on on Mars was a really good call. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, Earth has more gravity, so he would be super strengthy. There, although the, the white apes seem to be stronger than him for some reason. Oh, here's David Schwimmer was in this one. No, he wasn't. Yeah, apparently he was one of the uh, Tharks. Oh, jeez, really? <laughs> John Favreau. John Fat. Well, he would have played a voice. Yeah. Actually, I think I know who he played. John Favreau, I think, was like a big like rival in the Thark. Right? Bookmaker takes bets. Oh, he was a bookmaker. Never mind. Dang. <laughs> Thark bookie. Okay, so I guess there were the Tharks, the, the green species. So. Anyway, I thought it was a good a good movie, but it was just terribly marketed and just, you know, was what it was. It was a great missed opportunity that that Disney in their infinite wisdom was like, 
our last five movies with the name Mars in it didn't didn't work. So we can't say it's John Carter of Mars because because it says Mars in it. No one will want to see it. Because, you know, that's how marketers think. It's like, oh, it must be because it had the word Mars in it. That's why. I have on good authority from marketing. I knew someone who worked in marketing at Disney at the time. I knew her husband. So. (laughs) Believe me, she got an earful. It was. (laughs) Not from me. Not from me. (laughs) It wasn't bad, you know. No, I would say it was pretty great, but yeah. Gets transported to Mars, gets taken prisoner by one of the sentient species. There's conflict between the various sentient species. He's caught in the middle, but of course, in the end, he marries the hot, or he gets with the hot princess and saves the day. Oh, and by the way, he's super strong on Mars. Yeah. (laughs) He's literally a superhero because of science. (laughs) Natural science. You're going to sneeze. Nope. It's you just almost one. did. Nope. So. <laughs> okay. So I'll agree. John Carter, guilty pleasure. Disagree that it's a shameful guilty pleasure. I'm not saying it's shameful, but it was definitely a box office bomb. And it has not achieve cult status it is not no well neither is battlestar a uh, battleship correct <laughs> now do you want to know a movie that has achieved cult status that i vehemently disagree with go on okay and this can actually go on in the category of movies that never should have been watched on a first date <laughs> oh no because <laughs> it literally played out that way you ready? Yes. Mars Attacks. Yeah, I saw that. That movie. I fucking hated that movie. Everything I about, uh, everything it about so it was was grim. an affront to existence. It was an affront to my my existence and to any intelligence whatsoever that anyone would herald if they walked into that room. It was awful. Awful, and yet everyone I knew at the time who saw it freaking loved it. And I'm sitting here going, you you loved the idea of human beings being fried to their skeleton in front of their loved ones. And then and then, you know, they got the, the president got fried on the, the, the initial, you know, first contact. And then they invite the aliens back to Congress, and then the aliens fry all of Congress, and you think that that makes sense? Like, <laughs> It was ridiculous. It was very much like a 21st century version of an old serial. It, it was awful, because serials actually tried to be serious. This didn't. This wasn't even parody. It was trying to be parody, but it was just bad. Yeah, there was some weird shit, some moderate body horror you know, it was really one of those things where they just crammed as many celebrities into the movie as possible. 
That was the only way that they could sell the concept, by the way. Most of those celebrities got, like, cameo pay. I think that was the movie that taught everyone, or Gary Marshall, to be able to make a movie like Valentine's Day or Mother's Day. Where you have all these celebrities and... Or, or what, what was it? Um, Love Actually. I think, I think Love Actually was inspired by Mars Attacks. Maybe. I mean... I think Jack Nicholson played like three different roles, so he ended up getting a bit more screen time. <laughs> so. I don't know about that. I can't. I can't say one way or the other about that. But, but you know, that was an awful movie, and it was. I saw it on a date. There weren't a ton of real likable characters in date. either, though. No, there was no one to no one to feel bad for. Natalie Portman was in it. She was the president's daughter, and yet somehow she was considered like the next president. Well, who were her parents? It was wasn't it like it was Jack Nicholson and Glenn Close or something like that? Yeah, like, <laughs> way too old for her. But okay, <laughs> it, no one had a winning personality. No one was likable. The idea that Tom Jones's music killed the aliens and made their heads blow up. Tom it Jones. It wasn't. It wasn't Tom Jones' music. It was the his grand the the weird dude's grandmother's like old yodely country music. They just the oh. shit just happened to go down in Vegas, <laughs> and Tom Jones like is one of the survivors and helps him escape. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. I just. Uh... I can, I mean, uh, sonics are a great scientific technology, right? Yeah. Doing it through yodeling? Stupid. Just stupid. Stop it. (laughs) Like, I I had never, I had never walked out of a theater more pissed until Star Trek Into Darkness. God. Just so (laughs) many people. I mean, I I, got to tell you, Lucas. Fox. Sarah Jessica Parker, Pierce Brosnan. Off the top of my head, by the way, Rod Steiger. Rod, Rod Steiger. Steiger. Your idol. <laughs> yeah, I know, because I was supposed to be Rod Serling, but I said Rod Steiger. Annette so. <laughs> Martin Short, Danny DeVito. I forgot about Danny DeVito. She's Christina Applegate. There's just a million and eight people in here. Now, Jim Brown, he was the man. Well, yeah, anyone named Jim Brown would be the man. He was the he was the retired boxer who was like doing the meet and greet at Oh out in God. Vegas. And yeah. He just starts bashing these aliens in the face. <laughs> it was a, an awful movie. It was so it was. bad. It, it was. was just but it got I mean it got great reviews and I don't understand why. Actually, we should take a look at Rotten Tomatoes. Shall we do that? Because, oh, dare I say, Mars Attacks. Let's see. Mars Attacks. Okay. Rotten at 56, which means that there are way too many, there are way too many professional um, critics that liked it. Mm-hmm. 
But the way I remember it, everyone in high school loved this flipping movie. Well, it was ridiculous, you know. It was crammed with stars, gratuitous and I violence. Could, I looked past the stars. I, I mean, all I could see was the violence, which was gratuitous. And, I mean, gratuitous is by definition pointless. But <laughs> there was no reason to have a movie like this. Money. Mm, I don't think it even made any money. Actually, I've seen it on repeats. It's been on wait, box office gross thirty seven million. Doesn't say what the budget was, though. It's been on cable, though, man. I saw it on cable and reruns on uh, in college. And my roommates were like, this is appointment viewing, man. You don't like this. I'm like, no. And I give them a 70 million budget. One hundred and one box office. Good, it bombed. It technically bombed. Seventy million dollar budget for a piece of shit like that. Good. It deserved to bomb. So angry. I hate this movie. I hate it. The only movie I hate worse is Star Trek Into Darkness. And don't get me started. I wasn't planning on it. But I flippin' hate this movie. And then and then the awkward then you, you walk out of the movie theater. This is a triborough. Um, <laughs> no longer exists. And you make that awkward walk across the parking lot to the friendlies <laughs> to hang out until your mom picks you up because <laughs> you're you're old enough to date. You're not old enough to have your own car or drive. <laughs> what did your date think? She hated it, too. I mean, like, ugh. I think you knew her. I'm pretty sure you knew who she was, but uh, it was it was it didn't break the relationship, but it certainly didn't help the start of it. That's for sure. Look, there's only so much thing, you know, so many things you can do when you're that age. Needless to say, yeah, whatever it was. It is what it was. <laughs> so not a guilty pleasure for you. Got it. No. <laughs> All right. You got any That's others? That's the antithesis of the, of the guilty pleasure. Um, oh, I do. You're going to hate this. But I that's this already. by definition. This by definition is the guilty pleasure. Power Rangers the movie. Ambivalent. Don't care. Both the one from 1995 and the one from 2017. Well, they were really ramping that one up. That one didn't go anywhere. <laughs> it didn't. Had Brian Cranston in it as well. So, <laughs> Who else was in it? Like Elizabeth Banks and Naomi Scott. Wasn't that it? Uh, Elizabeth. Uh, yes. Yes. All oh, both of those, too. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed... Both of those movies. I enjoyed the 1995 one when I was 14, which I was way too old to enjoy that movie, by the way, at that time. At that time. But this, I suffered from the Star Trek syndrome. Okay, can I explain that? I think you must. Okay. The Star Trek syndrome is you have a wonderfully written TV show in Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. And you're sitting here going, they talk about all these things that happened, but we never see them. Like, 
you never see like ground troopers. You didn't really see them. I wanted to see that. You never saw planes flying through the air battling the shuttles until late in season two of DS9. Yeah. You know? And I'm sitting there going, I would love to see this in a movie. I would like to, I would love to see a Star Trek movie show this kind of stuff. And Power Rangers did that with their movie versus their TV show. Like they had a big, they had, I mean, they had a whole cast of people. They made it a grand scale. They upgraded the uniforms to look awesome. And each uniform had its own like um, ability. Uh, the entire every time they moved while they're in the uniforms, you heard whoosh, 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 which I don't know how that happens, but it did. But that that's the joke. But um, and I liked the hero's journey that they went on, which they remade in the TV show, by the way. Um, I know, but it was a good hero's journey to have them like seek some, you know, uh, MacGuffin to help them. <laughs> get their 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 powers back or stronger you must save the mcguffin from the duke's machina right it was yeah basically so and you got to see them do things that they didn't do like um you got, the zord actually looked i mean it was very cgi but it looked a hell of a lot better than a person in a suit you know and they went into space which they never did well I mean, James Bond went into space. Spider-Man, bitch, please, you went to space. Yes. I mean, it happens. <laughs> but the scale of the movie, I really enjoyed. It It actually gave scale to the TV show. So, that being said, they remade it in 2017. Different characters, I mean, sorry, different actors, but the original characters from the original TV show, like Power Rangers from 1993 or 92 or whatever. I thought that was great, too. I thought it was great. Like, they came across these power coins. They suddenly had this, this, the, you know, this strength about them. They didn't, well, they didn't call on, like, you know, the, the power of the coins or anything. They, they were just stronger already. Um, and they were finding their powers and everything. You're I'm, you're falling asleep. You're literally falling asleep while I'm describing this. I'm sorry, man. It's just, <laughs> it, it, it just does not click with me. Okay. Well, anyway, they were learning how to use the Zords. They figured it out. It was good. I it was. I enjoyed. That is literally a guilty pleasure. The Power Rangers movie. Well, it's an origin story. So anytime you have an origin story, you have to basically show how things happened. Right. And they overcome their their internal their internal barriers to be able to fulfill their their purpose. Yes, exactly. I am a sucker for something like that when it's well done. This was, it was enough. pretty well done. Fair enough. Fair enough. How about any. TV shows that aren't good that you find guilty. Um, you 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 provide that one. I I've been contributing a lot here. I've got this weird relationship with Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. Yeah, is it good? Is it bad? I can't say. 
I felt like the production values on the show were really high at for times. what it was, you know? Yeah, and it was an interesting concept that aliens come to Earth. <laughs> that's, oh, that's Earth Final Conflict. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, Andromeda. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I literally was thinking of Earth Final Conflict. Um, no, uh, Andromeda, absolutely. No, uh, no, I can totally see that, actually. <laughs> it, Discovery it, it, did do that, yes. They, they ripped it from the pages of Gene Roddenberry. You know, uh, the system's commonwealth, super powerful until... One of their more powerful members revolted and broke it up and started ambushing them. And the captain of this one ship, the Andromeda, gets kind of stuck near a black hole it's in the event horizon, hasn't pulled in. So everything's kind of slowed down. And then 300 years later, some scavengers managed to pull it loose. And then he's like, oh, um, so I need to call home and see what's going on and warm them as a tech. I'm like, yeah, that thing hasn't existed in 300 years. <laughs> so he gets this ragtag group and they go and they're basically Star Trekking to rebuild the system's Commonwealth. Because mm-hmm. that was his ideal. I mean, he, he's like, I know the Commonwealth. I can help make it happen. And yeah, that whole show is about that. About finding that bigger ideal and putting and making others who used to be part of that ideal rediscover that. I, I found the concept good. I, I liked it, especially in a pre-discovery world where I'm like, oh, I like that. It was actually a takeoff of childhood from Isaac Asimov, but was Isaac Asimov? Look, it was, no foundation, it, the foundation series. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, it clearly you can see there was some connections to Star Trek. You know, uh, an intergalactic space fleet that's supposed to be for good, inter- an interstellar alliance of planets and whatnot. Basically, what they showed is this is what happens if the Federation fell apart. Mm-hmm. And they finally start trying to rebuild it eventually. But there's all these threats that were there that weren't there 300 years ago at the height of the uh, Commonwealth. And there's no high guard space fleet to defend. And... Kevin Hercules Sorbo is doing his best to to resurrect it. Oh gosh. What? Uh sorry, I was trying to log into Amazon Prime to see if I could see if it was still available. Um because I actually kind of want to watch an episode when we're done here. Um <laughs> it may be a guilty pleasure. It's guilty enough to make me want to deal with it again. Well, I watched it in in Iraq. You know, it's like so. It's like I had seen it a, f- a few times someplace, and I was like, you know what? I'll just try it. So I watched like the first three or four seasons in Iraq, and 
I was never like, oh man, this is the best. But I was also, and it was never like, yeah, I'm not interested. It just yeah. was. My wife asked me that same question. Is like, oh, you've been watching this show. Do you like it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't I'm know. Season five. <laughs> I still five seasons in, and I'm not sure. <laughs> season five was like almost a total format change. It was like they did another like time skip. Oh, really? Something. Did they? Don't please tell me they didn't get rid of Kevin Sorbo. No, but they were like stranded for a while, and it was. It was very strange. It went for five seasons, by the way. Five seasons is it's a successful show if it's five seasons. I know, right? It was just. I mean, it was. A little bit Star Trek, a little bit Battlestar and a little bit Star Wars all in one, you know, it was Battlestar before it was Battlestar. The new yeah. Battlestar, by the way, you know, so. Uh, no, it was a little more quirky, older Battlestar. Uh, like when they were running yeah. all to the weirdness that was out there. You know what? It was also a little bit Stargate. With oh, the kind of humor yeah. that they were dealing with. Well, you know, they were a bit more tongue in cheek with their humor. Yeah. Like the first time one of the scavengers runs into Kevin Sorbo, he's like, ah. Guy's so solid. He's built like a Greek god. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wonder where that came from. He was from Boston, that man. That character. <laughs> yeah. Seamus Harper. Seamus Harper. <laughs> yeah. From Boston. From but Boston. the evil Magog had, had taken over. Magog Wait, the Magog had... took it over? I thought it was the Nietzscheans. No, I think the Magog actually had taken over Earth. Well, if the Magog took it over, they would have all been dead and eaten. This, I can't remember. It was weird. It, I think it was the Nietzscheans. No, I think the Magog took it over because they like will also keep people for their their food supply. Well, they kind of like lay eggs in you and, and uh, the eggs. I know. It's very gross. It is gross, and and Boston. I mean, the, the battle for Bunker Hill Memorial was knocked down in, in a landscape scene, an establishing shot in that show. But still yeah. lit, by the way. <laughs> for some reason, the lights, the lights were still on <laughs> at the top of it. That actually pissed me off when, when I heard that. Uh, it was I mean, it, I thought it was great that they were doing the second Boston Rebellion. Well, I mean, at some point in every generation, a Bostonian will rise, will say, fuck this shit. Yeah, maybe it'll happen sooner than later again. So who knows? Because <laughs> I know Bostonians don't take any shit from no one, but for some reason, they're accepting a lot of shit right now. <laughs> there are no easy answers in life, my friend. No. Was it was it heroes die, but legends? Oh, shoot. What's the term? Here. Mm, never mind. Forget it. It's from it's from the sandbox or the the, the sandlot. Legends die, but what uh, heroes die? Heroes but legends die, live but forever. legends. Yeah, legends live forever. That's what it is. 
That would be a perfect quote for that. Anyway. All right. I'll, I'll get on board with Andromeda being that way. But I could also say I took a lot of shit for loving Xena Warrior Princess in high school, by the way. I took a lot of shit for that. Not but from my not, not from my male friends, by the way, from my female friends. Well, they obviously didn't watch it. They just saw an attractive woman running around in a skin tight leather bodice. I never saw it. I never saw her as attractive to me. I, I found her alluring as a leader and a, and a, a, a knowledge basin. Well, that's great. I mean, she was an icon and she was yeah. smart and she was strong and she was fierce and loyal, but she was and a I, gorgeous woman. It's hard. To, Lucy Lawless, fit, athletic, beautiful, cheeky. She she had a pretty decent sense of humor. Right. So, I mean, but, I, it, but it, I'm just saying there was definitely an appeal for that. You know, it was the late it. 90s and sci-fi. But I get it. Xena doesn't belong in this list. Because it was really well done. Right. It's not a, <laughs> a cultural. It is. It's a cultural. Landmark TV show. Same you know thing what? With Buffy it, it, the it, Vampire it, Slayer. Here's what happens. And, and you can you can you can extrapolate from Buffy the same way. It was the late 90s. The Internet was just budding. We haven't we hadn't really been able to actually, you know, group together on the Internet to find like minded individuals about, you know, what show we liked and what we didn't. You could. And there so were chat rooms. there were chat rooms, but it still wasn't that easily accessible for the people that the noobs, if you will, which we were, we were all noobs. We were all noobs at that point. But, but I think um, you're getting off topic again. I'm just trying to make a point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to make a point, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to say, like... Down the rabbit hole. Yeah, but whatever. Finish your point. Fine. Fine. No, but I'm not you got to wrap it up. Yes, no, I'm done. Point. I'm done. Done. If you didn't interrupt me, it would have been done by now. No, I wouldn't have. It would have been. No, it wouldn't have. It would have been. <laughs> when you go down your rabbit hole, you would go have been. down all the way. Yeah. Thoroughly. Yeah. So, yeah. can we get back to our list? What list? <laughs> you have this hard time. Sticking with this topic tonight. We talked two movies before you launched into antithesis. <laughs> then I bring up one TV show, and then you dive. Instead of going into one, you decide you have to link it back to one I of your favorites. I took a lot of shit for Xena. I love it. Doesn't matter. It. That's a movie. Does not That's qualified. A show. No, That's it does a show not you qualify. turn up and you roll the windows up on. No, not anymore. You can't. No, but back, back then, you did. It doesn't matter. It still has back to be in the dark you did. now. It still has to be in the dark oh, now. Come on. No, 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 no. You don't time. get to pull a cultural iconic show. We didn't realize no. that there would be... there. We didn't realize that there would be this time discrepancy for these doesn't issues. doesn't matter now. All the other things we've mentioned are all 
I fart kind of trashy. Battleship, John <laughs> Carter, they're all still bombs. They're all still <laughs> not cultural. Come on, man. When was the last time you heard anybody mention Andromeda? Us. That's it. Yeah, we were the only ones. We're the last people on Earth that mention it. You're right. <laughs> I may or may not have brought up that whole thing when the, on a Star Trek review video on YouTube. Uh, this looks like the plot to Andromeda. <laughs> uh oh. A couple of people, people were like, the shit out of you for it. They're like, you know what? That's a good point. <laughs> they didn't even know. They didn't even no, no, know. No. Not, not the, not the content creators. I'm talking about the other commentators. They're like, mm. yeah. Wait, that was a show. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, uh. it was, it was just another attempt to milk the Roddenberry estate, and it wasn't bad. I just. Don't know if it was actually good. That's all. You know what happened? I've heard in a video that I sent you today, there are references that there are several stories in Strange New Worlds that took plot lines from books written by uh, DC Fontana. Mm. Excellent. There's a woman who deserved more credit than she got. And she got zero credit for those episodes. Ouch. Man, I just felt zero like I credit in it. You did. You did. Set you up. I lit the I, I stepped up to your front door, put the sack down, lit it on fire, knocked and ran away. And then your new priceless Italian loafers have to deal with something new. You would never catch me in priceless <laughs> Italian loafers. <laughs> I'd go your out Asics, in my, your I new would balances go out in my combat boots and They've stepped in worse. <laughs> Your new balance monarchs, maybe, as a father. <laughs> you don't know me at all. I don't. I've uh, The last time I saw you in person was 19 flipping years ago, man. <laughs> maybe you should help your brother move. Uh, I am. I'm trying, but... Yeah, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> so... I mean, there's got to be TV. I mean, th th there's plenty of shows out there that were just kind of... Eh, that. I mean, here's a show that we've discussed that is not... I don't think it's truly a cult icon, and it's a mess, but jack of all trades. I have no... Uh, you're right. I have no shame in loving it, but I still roll up the window. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think Briscoe I, has I was a hesitant to bring it up. I thought about Jack of all trades. I was hesitant to bring it up. I thought about Briscoe, but Briscoe was too well done. Jack You're of right. all trades is just too preposterous. That's what made it so good. They that had burned the Troyer as Napoleon. <laughs> it was literally the best theme song I recorded after watching the first episode. I waited until the following week and prepped it so that I recorded the next episode so I could rip the theme song off the videotape onto my computer. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude, we've played that theme song like four times on this show. I know. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not, I'm not going to do it again. Know. I'm not going to do it again. What am I doing? What am I doing? 
I'm not it doing is, it again. I'm it, not it's doing a it again. Show, and it, it goes so far out the norm from the historical time that it might as well be science fiction. There was definitely steampunk elements in it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but. Oh, what is what's that? What's that? <laughs> took your hat off. And Uncle Sam's favorite son had a job and needed done. <laughs> a scoundrel with a heart. <laughs> Wait, the best part. <laughs> Penny whistle, yeah. Oh no! No, Here's the penny whistle. <laughs> Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> And and as it goes, as it goes, on my playlist when I have my entire library, as soon as that song is done in high in college, the next song was Cheeseburger in Paradise by Jimmy Buffett. Every time. <laughs> so best theme song ever, guaranteed. Penny whistle. Well, I guess you're gonna have to learn how to play this song on your new penny whistle. Well, you see, here's the thing. I mean, that's an accompaniment, and I could do that, but I have no one else to play the other instruments. <laughs> well, I, I certainly can't help you. Like, <laughs> but the show itself is ridiculous, and I believe it falls under this. I mean, they have all sorts. Amelia invites invents all sorts of things that won't be invented for hundreds of years, for like a yeah. hundred years. They're like in Fiji, right? Pulau Pulau. Oh yes. yeah, like it's French like, like French Guiana yeah. or something. Like French Guiana, yeah. It's a it's a French specific <laughs> nation, yeah. British and American spies are trying to counter Napoleon's plot to take over the world in eighteen hundred one. I mean, it's literally between the Revolution and the War of eighteen twelve. There was never a, a good period between the U.S. and the British during that time. <laughs> Even well, more preposterous, time, there would be that, that, that work between the British and, and the, the Americans. Well, I don't know if we were actually on uh, great terms or not, but around that time, neither one of us really liked the French. The French were being dicks on the high seas, and we actually true. shot at them. Said, and yet it fuck you. <laughs> True. And then, and then the French was like, eh, "Would you like all this land?" Well, they needed money, man. <laughs> You're gonna go punch the British. Okay, we'll we'll take the land. Yeah, yeah. You know that anyone born in the original Louisiana Purchase territories can technically become president of France. Oh, wee oui, wee. Oui. Did you know that? 
Mon Dieu. You didn't know. Understood. Um, blue. <laughs> the subject came up after the 2000 election, and France was like, yeah, we'll elect President Clinton to be our president. Fromage. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kel Fromage. Mailed. Shit. <laughs> I'm just saying. So that's our history lesson for this evening. Yes. Here's another history lesson. You need to go and watch Jack of All Trades. A ridiculously cheesy slice of American <sighs> television history. Anywhere? I don't think it's available to buy. I don't think it's available. You might to... be able to find it on iTunes. You might. I'm I'm looking now. Hold on. Cuz if it is, I'm I'm buying it Thursday. Uh, let's see. Jack of All Trades. Wait a minute. No, uh, it's a Bruce Springsteen song. Go under and then Eureka, it's an episode. Numbers, it's an episode. Nope. No. Damn. Why did you give me the hope? You well, gave me I, the hope. I am excellent. You gave Most me hope. Excellent. Jack of all trades. Let's see if we can find any episodes. Well, I must say, my friend, that um, I bought it on DVD. You may be able to find them. Now I got to go look on. I got to go look on Amazon now and see if I could find an out of out of <laughs> out of country uh, version of Jack of all trades. Settle down, my friend. <laughs> By the way, my Dutch, my my Dutch DVD came with the the word M for mature, the letter M for mature on it. I'm sitting here going, wait a minute, that's not that's not an American rating. I got really scared, but I checked, I I, I checked, and on the global like little like um, can't see it. Yeah, you can't see it. The global um. The illustration of the globe, it says all. So it's a it's a region free format. I double checked it. It played on my PS5. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Oh, here it is. The complete series for $16. <gasps> on DVD? On DVD. Well, my friend. Oh, I that's think... a Christmas present. To me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean to you? You already own it. <laughs> no, that's what that's the silent thought in your head. Well, that's oh, yeah. <laughs> to myself. To myself, indeed. <laughs> I already own that series. And it's say. excellent. Well, let me tell you oh, who else likes man. that. The Mrs. Does she really? It's absurd. She loves it. She loves absurdity, which is why she married you. Yeah, that Makes is true. <laughs> I think Jack of all trades might be the guiltiest of the guilty pleasures. I can't argue otherwise. I, I mean, it is so stupid. I mean, at least Cleopatra 2525, while it started stupid, it got serious. Because mm -hmm. it was basically the Matrix reloaded. Yeah. You I'll know? still take Jack of all trades. 
Oh yeah. For one major reason. <laughs> Bruce Campbell. The only major reason. Uh, well, hold on. Her his co-star was uh, quite in- inspiring. She was brilliant. She was the brains of the operation. Yes, and I loved every second of her. She's quite gorgeous, yes. I didn't refer to that. She is that too. What? (laughs) But first and foremost, her wit. She was, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed her wit, holding herself against him. And making him look so stupid. <laughs> yeah, well, who asked you? Yeah, <laughs> that was the reply. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, but still, you know. <laughs> I just love the fact he, his horse in this one he called Nutcracker because he always was leaping onto it. <laughs> it's true. And Palau, Palau. Oh, gosh. I think we've done a pretty good deep dive. What do you think? It was definitely absurd, this episode. Yeah, well, you know, life is absurd. All right, so here's... here's All right, what, what's our takeaway here? I don't think there's really a moral lesson. Look, here, here's the thing, folks. It's okay if you've got something that's not <laughs> cool that you enjoy. It's okay if there's a bad movie you like or a bad TV show that you enjoy, even if you're just enjoying it because of how bad it is. Right. You don't think we watched you. We've seen some of those old episodes of the original series and God, man, those were some bad effects. (laughs) The dude and the children shall lead. No, and the children shall lead is awful. I was just talking about like the effects, like, Oh, yeah. It was just so stiff. Absolutely. Oh, it's ridiculous, but there's something that appeals to you. So, you know what? If it makes the next you time you're, happy, the next time can't you're, be that bad. Sorry. Shell Crow broke in here. I sang. I got to cut that out. <laughs> The next time you feel like you need to roll up the window because of something you're enjoying, roll that bitch back down. Nice. 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 Screw them. Indeed. All right. On that note, everybody, I'm inspired. You guys keep dreaming. We're going to keep working. So long, everybody, and thank you. And screw them, because I'll be on the high ground. Enjoying that tool jam. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and PS McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow PS McKay on Twitter at PS McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information.